Welcome to Mysteries to Die For and this toe tag. I am T.G. Wolf, and I'm here with Jack, my piano player and producer. This is normally a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of murder, mystery, and mayhem. Today is a bonus episode that we call Toe Tag. It is the first chapter of a fresh release in the mystery, crime, and thriller genre. So today's featured relief is Wolf Bog, a Berkshire Hilltown mystery by Leslie Wheeler. So let's jump right into chapter one. The hike to Wolf Bog seemed like a good idea at the start. Catherine Stinson certainly enjoyed the first part. The walk through the forest provided welcome relief from the August heat and offered fine views, first of Many Acre Lake, then of Indigo Pond, with glimpses of stone walls and old foundations buried deep in the woods. But to reach Wolf Bog, the party of six had to leave the wide, well-marked trail under a canopy of dappled light and follow a narrow, overgrown path that was out in the open, exposing them to the sun's scorching rays and attacks by incense, insects, and prickly plants. Then, all Catherine could think of was the classic childhood question, are we there yet? Did any of the others trudging single file ahead of her share her discomfort? Not their guide, Wally, a.k.a. Rufus Wallingford, a tall, distinguished-looking man in his 70s with a handlebar mustache worthy of Mark Twain, he growed up on the edge of the vast expanse of wetlands known as Many Acre Swamp and knew the area very well. Still, it was strange to see him in hiking clothes instead of the tailor suits and bow ties he wore as an attorney. Definitely not Charlotte Hinckley, the second in line, Tall like Wally, with a cap of silver hair, she spent years in the rainforests of Madagascar studying lemurs. Currently, she served as executive director of the new Nottingham Land Trust and, together with Wally, had organized the hike. And probably not the person who followed Charlotte and had become her shadow lately, a combat veteran of the wars of Afghanistan and Iraq, Steve Reichart was used to roughing it. Next in line was Hal Phelps, Catherine's neighbor on Rattlesnake Hill in New Nottingham. A summer resident of the Berkshires and a good-natured sort, he most likely would have preferred to spend the afternoon on a photo lens that became up to support his wife. He was also there to take pictures, judging from the camera with the super telephoto lens that dangled from his neck like an elephant's trunk. Betty Phelps, who brought up the rear, was petite and well-groomed. She would have preferred an afternoon of tennis or shopping, Catherine thought. She and Betty had bonded with Charlotte during a battle against a real estate developer bent on turning the property Catherine rented into an upscale development. Betty even referred to Charlotte as their fearless leader, an apt nickname given how much she and Catherine admired Charlotte. Catherine doubted that Betty would complain out loud, though her makeup, which had begun to run in the sweltering heat, gave her away. Catherine stopped to wipe her sweat-beaded forehead with the handkerchief and take a long drink from her water bottle. Catherine stopped too. You okay? Yes, Betty said, but I hope we get there soon. Wish we hadn't picked the hottest day of summer for this hike. When we reached the bog, 
I want to jump in the water. Better not, Hal said, joining them. With more muck than water, a bog's not a good place to swim. Hal's right, Charlotte said, as she strode back to them, trailed by Steve and Wally. Betty swatted a mosquito away. Remind me why we're going there? Wolf's Bog is a special place, Wally said. It's one of the few remaining examples of a natural New England bog. And what exactly is a bog? Betty asked. Good question, Wally said, obviously happy to share his knowledge. Imagine a basin carved out by glaciers millions of years ago. He formed a bowl with his cupped hands. Now over time, the basin fills with water, creating a lake. Sphagnum moss and other plants spring up along the lake shore. The plants decay and fall into the lake until they cover its surface. As layer upon layer of decayed plant matter fills the lake, it forms a soft, spongy soil called peat. He turned one hand over and the other several times to indicate the pileup of dead plants. And voila, you have a bog. Peat's the stuff they sell in garden shops, Betty asked. Pretty much so, Wally replied. Shall we continue? They forged ahead and, 20 minutes later, Wally directed them to gather on a stretch of high ground above the bog. Before them lay an expanse of water, floating had receded due to the drought. Wally pointed at the vegetation with his hiking pole. Those masses of floating plants you see are, Wally pointed at the vegetation with his hiking pole. Those masses of floating plants you see are called bog mats. They're fragile and easily damaged. Charlotte's brow of binoculars to get a better look lifted his binoculars when Charlotte cried out, Oh my God, it's a body! Pete at the edge of the water. Bolly at the edge of the water. Bolly, Wally had barely lifted his binoculars when Charlotte cried out, Oh my God, it's a body! She took off. Bolly, Wally had barely lifted his binoculars when Charlotte cried out, Oh my God, it's a body! She took off towards it. No, don't go there! Wally grabbed at her, but she eluded him. When Charlotte was almost to the body, if that's what it was, she began to sink into the bog. She waved her arms and twisted her legs, trying desperately to get out, but her struggles only made her sink deeper. Catherine's heart seized. They had to rescue Charlotte, but how without getting stuck themselves? Brushing past Wally, Steve started down the slope. Wally caught him, pulled him back, and handed him over to Hal Phelps. You stay put. Everyone else, too. I have experience hiking around this bog, and I think I can get her out. Stop struggling and keep calm, he called down to Charlotte. Help is coming. Wally made his way carefully to where Charlotte stood, caught in the mire. He tested each step before putting his full weight on it, backtracking when he deemed the ground too soft. When he was a few yards away, he stopped. This is as far as I can safely come, he told Charlotte. He extended his hiking pole and she grabbed it. On his instructions, she slowly and with great effort lifted first one leg and then the other out of the muck and onto the solid ground. Wally guided her back to the others following the same zigzag pattern he'd made when he descended. Charlotte went with him reluctantly. She kept glancing back over her shoulder at what she'd seen at the water's edge. Catherine trained her binoculars on that spot. Gradually, an image came into focus. A body was embedded in the peat. The skin was a dark reddish brown, but otherwise it was perfectly preserved. Bile rose in her throat. Charlotte moved close to Catherine. You see him, don't you? Her face was white, her eyes wide and staring. 
See who, Wally demanded. Denny, Charlotte said. You must have seen him too. I saw something that appears to be a body, but, Wally said. So there really is a dead person down there? Betty asked. It looks that way, Wally said grimly. But let's not panic. I'm going to try to reach Sheriff or I'm going to try to reach Chief Lapsley, though I'll doubt I'll get reception here. We'll probably have to leave the area before I can. We can't just leave Denny here to die, Charlotte wailed. Charlotte, Wally said with a pained expression. Whoever's down there is already dead. She flinched as if he'd slapped her across the face. No, I'm telling you, Denny's alive. She glared at Wally, then her defiant expression changed to one of uncertainty. Dead or alive... I'm to blame. I'm staying here with him. Her jaw jutted upward with a determination. She turned toward the bog. She'd only taken a few steps before the men closed in around her, blocking her way. Charlotte glanced wildly at them. For a moment, Charlotte thought she'd try to break through. Instead, Charlotte's head lolled and her body swayed as if she were struggling to keep her balance on the deck of a storm-buffered ship. The next instant, she collapsed onto the ground. Oh my goodness, Betty cried. Is she all right? Kneeling beside Charlotte, Wally felt for her pulse. She's, she's fainted. Someone give me a hand. Charlotte had fallen onto her side. With Steve's help, Wally gently moved her back so she lay flat on her back. He stroked her arm and spoke her name. Gradually, Charlotte came to. Her eyes fluttered open, then closed again. Wally drew the others aside. I think she's going to be okay, he said in a low voice. But to be on the safe side, we should have a doctor look at her. Hal, you stay here and guard the body until the police arrive. I'll wait for them at the entrance to Many Acre Swamp and guide them to the bog. Steve, you take Charlotte to Verview Hospital in Great Barrington. I'm coming with you, Catherine told Steve. What, what happened? Where am I? Charlotte murmured. Wally returned to her. You fainted, my dear, probably because of the heat and lack of hydration. When you're ready, Steve and I will help you sit up and drink some water. Then, again when you're ready, we'll help you to your feet so you can leave this place. Catherine noticed that he made no mention of the body in the bog, perhaps in the hopes that Charlotte had forgotten about it. She hadn't. When she finally stood, she glanced at the bog with a worried expression. But, come along, my dear, Wally said. I'll just be ahead of you and, and Steve will be right behind you. If you start feeling dizzy, grab on to one of us. Taking her by the hand, Wally led her to the path. Steve fell in step behind Charlotte, effectively boxing her in. Catherine and Betty followed. They made slow progress along the path, then the trail, as Charlotte kept stopping to crane her neck backwards and had to be persuaded to continue. Catherine ached for Charlotte, their fearless leader laid low by the discovery of a body of someone she obviously cared about. Someone named Denny. And that, my friends, is Chapter One of Wolf Bog by Leslie Wheeler. So, who is Leslie? She is an award winning author of books about American history and biographies. Uh, Leslie turned to mystery writing to give herself some freedom to make things up. And while she still salts her mysteries with actual history, she now offers an exciting story in the present. Her Miranda Lewis living 
History Mysteries series debuted with Murder at the Plymouth Plantation, set at the Living History Museum, and re-released as a tradeback from InCircle Publishing. Other series titles are Murder at Gettysburg, set at the reenactment of the famous battle, and Murder at Spouters Point, set at a fictionalized mystic seaport. Find her at www.leslie-wheeler.com. Now from July 1st to July 31st, 2022, Wolfbog is on tour with Partners in Crime. Check out the tour link in the show notes for content and more information. All right, so now I'm going to give you my review of it. So this is a amateur sleuth story where Catherine Stinson, a curator of prints and photographs for a small library, is drawn into the mystery of the body surfacing of a local man who went missing some 40 years ago. So rating Wolfbog on a five-point scale against the perfect amateur sleuth, I give this a 3.75. Yes, I like my decimal points. So strengths of the story, um, the pacing is deliberate and continuously drops breadcrumbs throughout as the book winds through two main storylines. The planning and detailing of the stories were well thought out and executed. The setting of a small town in the Berkshires provided enough detail to be able to, you know, feel the place without being overly descriptive. The characters are very likable and they can easily become the type of friends that you want to return to story after story. And I think this one, if I'm not mistaken, is the third in the Berkshire Hill Town. So you get, there's a, a lot of opportunity here to get to know Catherine and her friends. Um, now, I hadn't read the previous book, but I thought Wheeler did an excellent job of providing enough context for me to understand what the relationships were without going into a total like two or three page synopsis of the prior books. I, I really like the way she did that. Uh, this book is very well written and it's free of errors. Where I thought this uh, story fell a little bit short of the ideal. So Wheeler created an interesting but challenging story with part of it rooted 40 years in the past and part of it rooted in, in the present. So to meet the ideal, the elements of the story had to have strong logic in character behavior in both time periods. And when you get to the end and look back over the entirety of the story, the question is, do the actions of all players, not just the hero, not just, not just Catherine, our key narrator, do they all make sense? So I thought Catherine did a really good job of covering up the original crime. I mean, after all, it hasn't been resolved for 40 years. But because she did uh, so good a job of that, there was little to work with in modern time. So as a result, I thought Catherine, who, you know, again, is our, is our lead here, worked less as a sleuth and more of a narrator, sort of ushering the story along, but not maybe actually solving the mystery as much as an ideal amateur sleuth would. So bottom line, Wolfbog is for you if you love small town mysteries with the lovable, quirky, likable characters that come with them. Um, if you like your stories, you know, very deliberately paced, if you're more into plot, less into action, and if you're a fan of the Berkshire setting, uh, there's a lot to like in Wolfbog. So Jack, that brings us to a wrap of Wolfbog. Thank you everybody for joining into this toe tag. Check out Leslie Weeder's Leslie Wheeler's Wolfbog book as well as the others in the Berkshire series and it sounds like she has quite a backlist 
of, uh, of, of mysteries set in real history. Jack is enjoying playing with all 88 keys today. Are you gonna? Am I supposed to stop? No, you can keep going as long as you want. I didn't know if we were done. We are done. Okay. That was terrible. Jeez, I'm in. Mean. 